This is a Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 53, We Can Do Hard Things with Christ, with Angela Adams. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Stand with Lynette podcast. I am so happy to have you along for the ride. And guess what? This is a big week. This is an exciting week because... This marks the one-year anniversary of this podcast. One year ago, I released my first three episodes in a little block, all three of them at once, and we've been publishing new episodes every week since then, minus a couple weeks for Christmas, and it's been a whirlwind of a year, a crazy year. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. I've heard some amazing stories from some incredible women, and I've feel honored to be able to share them with you. It's been fun and crazy and we need to celebrate, but we're not going to do that this week. I need to plan some sort of a birthday celebration, but for now, I've got another amazing guest, another amazing story of standing with the Savior that I want to share with you today. It is from a good friend of mine. Her name is Angela Adams and she has a lot of awesome things to share. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. But before we get there, I just wanted to remind you, if you didn't already know, that my spiritual momentum challenge, my spiritual habit challenge, I guess, whichever way you want to refer to it, it's creating spiritual habits, which also creates spiritual momentum, which is the perfect thing for a post-general conference spiritual momentum high. If you want to continue that and really dig in and apply some of these things that the prophets have been telling us to do, cement some of these habits that they've been telling us to create in our lives, the Shine 40 Challenge is for you, my friends. It's 40 days. It's flexible. It comes with a free buddy pass so that you can go through the challenge with a friend because accountability makes it so much more likely that you'll actually complete the challenge and cement these habits that will yoke you to the Savior Jesus Christ. If you're interested in learning more, you can check out the link in the show notes. But without further ado, my friends, let me introduce you to my good friend, Angela Adams. Hello, friends. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Angela Adams. And funny story, she lives right by me and her husband is in my stake presidency. And so (laughs) (laughs) we have gotten to know each other on that level because my my husband is serving as a bishop and works closely with her husband and it's been fun. So we have met a few times and gone to lunch and she's just a light and a joy. And I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. So welcome, Angela. Thank you so much, Lynette. I am so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited that you are here. I know a little bit about your story, and I'm excited to hear a little bit more. So can you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. Okay. So my name is Angela Adams. We've lived here in the North Phoenix Peoria area for 30 years, which is- I didn't know you'd been there that long. We have been here forever. We're one of those old timers, you know, I love it. Um, we, um, I've been married to my husband for 35 of those years and, um, or 35 years. And we have four children. We have one daughter 
and she's married and she lives in Medford, Oregon. And she has our four grandsons that are just, I love being a grandma. Love, love, love being a grandma. I love being a mom, but being a grandma is like the icing on the cake. (laughs) I've heard that. We're just getting started on that journey and I'm excited to see how it goes. It is so awesome. So awesome. But they live far away, which is not awesome. Um, I wish they were closer, but that's okay. And then I have twin boys and they, um, one lives here and one lives in Utah. And I have our youngest son is currently in Indiana pursuing his aerospace engineering graduate degree. So good for him. We used to live there. So that's a good, we love living in Indiana. It's a good place. Hopefully he loves it too. That's exciting. Right now it's a little cold, but (laughs) we're sending all the warm stuff. (laughs) That's what I don't miss. I don't miss. After having lived in the Midwest for six years, I said, I need more sun in my life. We need to, (laughs) we need to go back to Arizona where it's, we don't have to shovel sunshine. (laughs) Yes. You don't have to shovel sunshine. And that's, that is the beauty of being here. Yes, that is one thing. This time of year, it's currently November, and this is when I love living here. It's the best. Isn't it gorgeous? Yes. Although, true confession, I have a space heater going on right at my feet because, you know, it's 62 degrees and I'm freezing. (laughs) I know. It's so funny. I'm like, oh, I remember the negative numbers on the thermometer, and now I'm like, ooh, we're going through a cold front. It's 62 (laughs) degrees. I need my parka. So funny. <laughs> crazy, oh, crazy, crazy. It's all about perspective and what you're used to, right? That's right. That's, That's right. right. Okay. So you mentioned in the little bit of your story that you already told me that you have struggled with chronic anxiety since you were a child. So can yeah. you walk us through what that was like as a child and then growing up and and what does your anxiety journey look like? Okay. Well, I... I, when I was younger, I probably about 10 years old is when I have my first vivid memory and no joke, I can still tell you where I was. I was in bed and it was in the middle of the night and I woke up with just this squeezing. I mean, it was just, I I was so worried that I had missed a homework assignment. I was 10 and that was my world. I was going to show up forgetting to do a homework assignment and it kept me up all night long. And I remember thinking something's wrong. This isn't right. But, you know, I didn't know who to tell. And this, I I started my, my parents um, told me, you know, from, a very early age, you're such a worry wart. You're such a worry wart because I would, I would worry and I would have all this anxiety about things that were totally beyond my control. Right. Um, and then fast forward. Well, and then during, you know, childhood, I just, I just didn't know what it was. Nobody really knew what it was. And I kept it to myself, which probably not a great thing. So I don't think my parents even understood all the anxiety that I was feeling. And then fast forward to about my sophomore year, um, my sister, she um, she became ill with the mental disorder of anorexia nervosa. She was 13 at the time. She went down to 69 pounds. 
within oh just a year. And I was the oldest of seven. And well, at the time there were six of us. Um, during this, my mom had the seventh, my brother. So it was, there was a lot of worry. There was a lot of stress, a lot of worry. My anxiety went through the roof, but I didn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't address it. I was, you know, had a lot of responsibility while my parents were trying to figure out, you know, how to help my sister. I was helping take care of my younger siblings. And it was, a, it, it went on for several years. And I remember so much that my anxiety was so gripping, but I couldn't, I wouldn't tell my parents because they had too many other things to worry about with my sister. So I just kind of stuffed it in and I kept myself busy, which is so classic of somebody who struggles with anxiety. They just try to avoid it. So they, they busy themselves. And so I did, I would busy myself with helping at home. And then I got involved in everything under the sun in high school. I mean, more than probably I should have looking back on it, but it was my way of coping with the anxiety that I was feeling. And so for years, I just kind of stuffed it down, stuffed it down. And then years later, um, went to BYU and it all just surfaced, you know, it, here I was, I, I, I came from a small town. So in high school, we had a small, small high school, 200 people were in my graduating class. Um, and then I go up to BYU. <laughs> Talk about eye-opening. Yes, I was a big fish in my little pond. And I realized I wasn't even guppy in at BYU. And that, that was a lot. And my husband and I um, got engaged early on, and he really didn't know of the anxieties that I was facing. He st started to see a glimpse of it. And then um, after we were married, he really was the only one that saw the anxiety. And there was just so much anxiety. And this went on for years. I had my first three kids um, by the age of 23, and I just... I kept running from anxiety on, on the surface, on the outside, everybody thought, you know, I had it all together, but I was dying inside. I just did not feel in control at all. And about six years later, our youngest son was born and it just got, it got really bad. I wasn't, it wasn't debilitating. I wasn't like in bed all the time. But I was constantly moving. I just remember just constantly moving, constantly going through the motions of the day of taking care of my family, taking care of, you know, my church calling, taking care of just everything and um, thinking that I could just, if I ran fast enough, right, it would, I could run away from it. And it just kept getting worse. And I remember one time going into the doctor for a checkup and saying something is not right. Something is just definitely not right. I just, I went in and I had been praying about this and went in and one of the nurses just looks at me and says, oh, well, welcome to motherhood, sweetheart. So dismissive. It was so dismissive. And I was crushed because I thought, okay, then there's something wrong with me. And so when I came out of that appointment and the doctor was kind of really dismissive, you know, oh, you know, it's just this. And I, I, and I kept saying, could you just do some blood tests? Can you do, I, you know, and he, he did do blood tests and nothing showed 
so everything was fine, right? But I knew deep down nothing. It wasn't fine. But with her, with that comment, now I was totally stuck in shame. I felt like I must be doing something wrong. I must be doing something wrong. So it was my fault that this was happening. And I was trying to be as diligent as I could to read my scriptures, to pray almost to the point where I was like obsessed that I had to do all these things because if I did them, then Heavenly Father would take this right from me. And that wasn't the case. And it wasn't until I think my youngest was two, I think he was two or three. And I finally just remember just breaking down in my bishop's office. We were going for tithing settlement. And I just said, can I talk to you by myself? And he said, yeah. And my husband knew that I was struggling, but we just didn't know what was going on. And, and when I talked to him and I told him, and this is, I will never forget sitting with him. I said, I will never be a strong stalwart woman. I have a problem. Oh, that's like breaking my heart. And he looked at me and he said, what? And I said, I can't fix it. And because of that, I'm just, just totally weak, but I need help. And so he, he um, recommended somebody and I went and that's when for the first time in my life, I had ever heard of generalized anxiety disorder. And as I was talking to um, the psychiatrist, she put a name on it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, like somebody would have said, you have diabetes, or somebody would have said, you have this. She put a name on it. And it was such a huge relief to finally go, wait a minute, this is actually real. This is something that actually, it's a thing. Right. And it's nothing that I did per se, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't have this great sin that, you know, that I couldn't figure out. But it was interesting because throughout this whole journey, I always turned to the Lord, always turned to the Lord. But I think I had this really skewed idea of what the atonement really was. I thought I had to fix this problem before the Lord would step in and help me. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. I don't think you're alone in that that understanding of the atonement. I think a lot of people think that. And I never fully understood that the atonement was so much more than the gift of repentance and saving us from our sins. I never really understood that Christ knew exactly what I was feeling because he felt it. And that the Garden of Gethsemane, he felt everything. He felt all of the anxiety, the depression, the, you know, the disappointments and all of that. He felt every, he felt all the emotion, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the grief that we have felt. And when I realized that piece, that's when I, I feel like my relationship with the Savior really started taking shape. How old were you at this point? How far into this journey were you when you realized that? Oh, I was in my 30s. Probably I was, let's see, probably about 33 is when I finally realized. Now, back when I 
had all that anxiety, I always turned to the Lord. I always felt like Heavenly Father, there were times when my sister was going through her thing and I was feeling all this worry for her, for my family, for everything. Um, sometimes that's where my testimony, I think, really took shape, really started to grow because I didn't, I couldn't turn to anybody. I felt in my own teenage mind, the only person I could turn to was the Lord. And so I was committed to live as best I could to keep that connection, keep that. But I didn't understand the atonement. I didn't understand that Christ had felt everything that he knew. I knew he was there and I knew he could comfort me, but I didn't quite understand all of it. Yeah. So how did your relationship with him progress after you understood that? What changed for you? I think one of the one of the biggest things that changed for me, and it's still I'm still learning. <laughs> As we right? all are. As we all are. I think one of the biggest things is my prayers even started changing. I felt like I didn't have to hide what was what I was feeling. I felt like I could say, you know, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's happening. And I know that you understand, you know, and just being able to approach him, understanding that he has felt it, that has changed a lot. It's um, validation, right? Yes. Yes. Feeling that, knowing, yeah, that validation that he, he knows exactly what I'm feeling and that I can actually voice it. Right. We don't have to hide. I don't have to hide. I don't have to hide in that. You know, I don't know what's wrong with me. Shame, whatever. I did something. Also, I had an experience shortly after this diagnosis, which was crazy to me. So here I was, I walked into my bishop and I'm telling my bishop, you know, I'm never going to be one of those pioneer women <laughs> that we read about. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to be this weak person because, you know, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with all of us, right? We're all broken. Right. Right? That's true. <laughs> yes. The sooner oh. we recognize that, the, the better we'll be, right? <laughs> right. And I guess I just, you know, how we all just kind of hold people way up, you know, like, oh, or, you know, we hear these pioneer stories of how they've overcome, you know, and I just didn't feel like that. Anyway, so several months later, the bishop shows up at my house and he wants to extend a call to me. And I remember looking at him as he extends this call to me and I just started crying. And I said, but you know me and you know that there's something wrong with me. And he said, uh-huh, I do. So what's your answer? <laughs> I remember saying, I can't give you an answer because I don't know, you know, because you know, surely there's somebody else that could do whatever he was calling me to do. And I remember praying about, it. I told him, I, I will give you an answer in a couple of days. I just really need to pray about this one because I'm not convinced. And I remember praying and I remember um, as I was praying, having that distinct impression that all these things that you've gone through have been for your good. 
that I've allowed you to go through these things because I have a purpose for you. And that was huge to me because I realized that Heavenly Father could take this broken (laughs) person for his purpose if I was willing. And I was, and I was grateful for that opportunity because I realized that the experiences that I had been going through for so many years, I found out that there were so many around me that were going through similar experiences, but were so afraid. They didn't know where to turn. And it was amazing to me to see that I have to go through this experience and the Lord will help me to know what to do with that. I think that's good for all of us to keep in mind, whether we're struggling with anxiety, whether we're struggling with any trial. I mean, we look back in the in the Doctrine of Covenants when Joseph Smith was in Liberty Jail and with those horrible circumstances that he was in, the Lord did not rescue him. He did not deliver Uh him. He said, these things will be for your learning, for your benefit, for your good. And even just reading back through that, you're like, how? That seems a little unfeeling. I know, right? That seems harsh. (laughs) I know. Like, is there nothing you can do? but we all have our liberty jail moments right and maybe it's your anxiety maybe it's depression maybe it's a child leaving the church maybe it's there are so many things that the lord calls on us to go through and says this is going to be for your experience and i know that at least for me i feel like i have gained through those challenging things that i've been through perspective First and yes. foremost, perspective that allows me, like you said, to to see other people around me mm-hmm. in a different light and be able to connect with them and meet them where they are because maybe they're, they're struggling with that thing that I struggled with, or maybe they're struggling with something totally different, but I can understand a little bit of what that feels like because I've also been in Liberty Jail. And I struggle, right. Right, and yeah. it's... It's hard to keep that perspective when you're in the middle of something hard, but if we can even come back to it at some point, you know, or look, yeah. And be able to say, okay, what did I learn? What am I learning? Why is this? You know, I know a lot of times I kept thinking, why is this happening to me? Why me? You know, and when we get caught in this, why me? Um, which is totally a natural thing. I, I, I honestly don't think we want, you know, that natural man does not want challenges, does not no. want anything It's uncomfortable. Like that, right? We don't like to be uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. good. And, um, but we also know that this whole earth life experience is for us to have opposition in all things in order for us to really become, in order for us to understand our savior and become like him. And I think these experiences that we have, you know, gives us perspective. It creates more empathy and understanding. And honestly, I think in order to develop that charity, we have to go through our Liberty jail moments, if you will. Right. And we have to continue. I don't think it's a one and done. No, no, (laughs) no. I think they kind of, they build upon each other and we learn right. things and they, we learn things in certain experiences or challenges or trials that then we can look back on when we're in another hard place later on. We're right. not ever going to be 
free from challenges. That's not the part no. that that's not the plan. And so I think we need to learn to trust that the plan is like that for a reason that there's purpose in our struggle. There is purpose. And I think that's what the Lord, when I was praying about this, was trying to tell me that this, I, I have given you this experience. And honestly, Lynette, I will always struggle with anxiety. But through this experience, I've learned how to manage it. I've learned how to help other people see it as it's not, it doesn't define me. It doesn't define who I am. None of our trials define who we are. Yeah. It's just, it's just a trial, right? It's just an experience that we're allowed to go through to develop that charity, to develop that Christ-like love, to understand our Savior and to understand the atonement. Yes. Yes. Sometimes we got to go through a little bit of of uh, Gethsemane or Calvary in order to understand even just a tiny portion of what the Savior did for us and then appreciate it all the more because we've had to feel, you know, and you just extrapolate that by the whole human family and you think, how? And how can I now, knowing what I know about what it's been like just for me personally, mm-hmm. what can I do to always stay bonded and you know cemented to the savior because he's the only way you know like it's i don't know i think there again there's great purpose there's great purpose in our struggle and there is it it, it, you know it's it's interesting because i think sometimes our struggles we feel they're so huge but as we focus on christ they don't they're not as big. Does that make sense? We're bringing in our focus. Right. And, and I think as we, as we bring in that focus, as we really zero our focus on him, it just makes it, I I don't want to say smaller because I think sometimes we do have some big trials that we have to go through, but it's that perspective. He helps us keep things in more of eternal perspective. It feels more manageable. Manageable. Yes. Thank you. It does feel more manageable. That's what I was looking for. (laughs) I stumble over my words all the time. I feel like sometimes my brain doesn't work and I'm like, what's that one word? Oh, vacuum. How did I forget the name of the vacuum? (laughs) (laughs) My mind just is running constantly, right? Just running like on a treadmill, it seems like sometimes. And so it's like just slowing it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that too. Sometimes I, I just wish I could just turn my brain off for a minute just so, so I can that be nice. rest. Yes, I know. So I can just I want thinking. that switch. <laughs> I know, me too. That's going to be a request in the next life, right? That's right. That's right. Zippers and a light switch. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Okay, so I'm going to quote you here because this you wrote this on your little application to be a guest on the podcast. And I, I love what you said. And I want to get into this a little bit more, how you came to this conclusion. You said, when we let go and let the Lord take us by the hand, he will help us clearly see what we cannot see ourselves. So how did you come to that conclusion? I am constantly coming to that conclusion. I like to be in control, right? I mean, don't we all like to be in control? I I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah, right? 
And I have learned that one, I'm never in control. No matter how hard I think I, I'm in control. And yes, we can be in control of certain things, but overall in the big picture, we're never in control. Our Heavenly Father is in control. Let me give you an experience. Okay, just even a recent experience. I have a business, a coaching business, and I do a weekly podcast myself. And just a couple of weeks ago, I had no idea, no idea what I was going to talk about on my podcast. And I was holding on so tight to this. I don't, I don't know what to do. And I was trying to force ideas and, you know, reading my scriptures and and reading my material and just what am I going to talk about? I want to lift others. I want to help others understand they're not alone in this. It was Monday and then Tuesday came and then Wednesday came. And usually I record on Thursday or Friday for the following week. And I had nothing, nothing. I finally just let go of worrying about it and said, you know what? I've just got to trust that the Lord, because I had been praying about it all week. Cause I do, I put a lot of prayer to it and, um, praying about it and nothing was coming. I finally just let go and said, okay, I'm going to do something else over here and not be so worried, so consumed. I had to be still. I had to really be still and let go, let go of my worry. And it was as if the Lord was saying, I've got this, just drop the rope, (laughs) you know, or (laughs) stop tugging here, just stop. And it came. And I don't even know, I can't even tell you what the title was. I don't know, but I do know that he helped me see clearly what it was I needed to talk about. And I have those experiences over and over and over again, where I have to just let go, let go of what I know. That's what it is. Let go of what I know and let the Lord show me what he knows. That's so good. I can relate to all the things that you just said. (laughs) I've been there so many times. And the thing that the thought that often comes into my mind when I'm in this place of kind of fighting with the Lord yes. in my mind where, or just like frustrated. That tug of war, right? Yes. Or, you know, just like, ah, oh, like, I don't really want to do that. Or I don't feel qualified to do that. Or I don't know what to do. Like, when are you going to give me this inspiration that I desperately need? And the thought that often comes to my mind in those moments is, do you trust me? Do you trust yes. me? <laughs> and I, that I get so annoyed. <laughs> I'm being honest by that <laughs> thought because I'm like, yes. What do you mean? Do I trust you? I trust you. I'm trusting you to do all of these other things that I would not choose for myself. I'm doing it because this is what I feel like you want me to do. What is that not trust? And he's like, right. you don't get it. Like you just, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's, what I'm. He, I, he just must get so tired of trying to work with me because I, 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 I just like, way. Oh, there's this tug of war between, okay, like, you know, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I, right. you know that, but it has to get to a point where I'm just like, I'm not fighting anymore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like, show all me. right. Yes. Right. Yes. And I think that trust is huge. And I, oh, yes, I want to say amen to everything you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Glad it's not just me. No, it's not. And I picture him 
not getting frustrated. I picture him up there just kind of shaking his head yes. with that grin, like, when exactly. are you going to learn? Exactly. Okay, here we you go see, again. You think here you know. So I think what I would say for myself is you said, <laughs> I have to let go of what I know and allow him to teach me what he knows. And I would say for myself, I have to let go of what I think I know because yeah. I think that I have it figured out. And he's like, no. Like not you're yet. Not you're not even close. Like I can see so much more clearly than you can. So when are you going to trust me? And I'm like, okay, all right. I hope that someday I get to a point where I'm just like, yes, I will trust you and I will stop trying to figure things out on my own because it doesn't go very well when I do, but I still think I try. <laughs> I right. do try. Well, and I think to a certain degree, he wants us to figure things out on his, on our, yes, on that our is own, true. but to be open to the bigger picture, right? Right. To be, to be open to, you know, don't, don't just rely on just what, you know, I love the, you know, I love that scripture um, in Proverbs. We all know it. Lean not to your own understanding, you know, thine own understanding. Because sometimes I think that's where, you know, when we think we have it all figured out, we're leaning into our own understanding. Yes. And he's saying, oh, but I have so much more. So much more. So <laughs> as soon as you're ready, as soon as you're ready, come back and we'll, <laughs> we'll get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that's, that's a journey. Like I, I've not figured it all out. Like you said, I'm, it's a, it's a lifetime process of. I think I figured it out and I think I figured out how to receive revelation and how to act on revelation. And then there's so much more that I have to learn. Yeah. It's all line upon line, right? One step at a time. And I love reminding myself of that. And here, you know, I'm much older than you are and I still feel like I'm in this infant state. (laughs) And I guess in the eternal scheme of things, we really are. Right. But, um, I just, that brings such comfort to me, that line upon line, step by step. It's just a process. It's a process. And sometimes it's a two steps forward and one step back process. And that's okay, too. That's right. The Lord will always be there and guiding us along, encouraging us to take that next step. And that is comforting to me as well. All right, Angela, this has been such a good conversation. And I could sit here and talk to you all day, but unfortunately we are running out of time. So I just want to ask you one final question and it is, what does standing with the savior mean for you? My first one was yoking myself, but I think before we yoke ourselves to the savior, we have to have that trust. We have to trust him enough that he knows us. He knows what we are capable of doing with his help and then yoking ourselves to him and understanding that we can do hard things with him he doesn't expect us to do these things on our own he never has he never has he's not at the top of the mountain saying okay once you push that big huge boulder up the mountain by yourself then i'm going to help you then you're going to be worthy of my help. He's saying, no, invite me down. Let me yoke yourself with me and let's push this boulder up together. 
And I love, I, I just wanted to share one quote um, today. As a matter of fact, I was listening to Elder Hallstrom from the April 2010 conference. And he said this at the very end of his talk. He says, never let an earthly circumstance disable you spiritually. Oh, that's so good. And I loved that. And I thought, you know, that's when we can just trust in our Savior and focus on him through any earthly circumstance. Yes. Those earthly circumstances are temporary if we look at the eternal scheme. So we can hold on for a little while with his help being yoked to him. Like you said, let him carry the heavy stuff. We still have to do our part. But he can carry the heavy stuff if we allow him and invite him in. I love that. Thank you, Angela, for being willing to come and tell your story and share your experiences and your light and your understanding of the Savior. I really appreciate it. This has been such a good conversation. Thank you, Lynette. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. So just can you just tell people where they can find you? Find your podcast and and stuff that you do online. Okay. So... I have a weekly podcast that comes out every Tuesday. It's called Embrace It All, where we talk about embracing all of these earthly circumstances um, and in particular anxiety, but we talk about all of it. And you can find me on my website at AngelaAdamsCoaching.com. And um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. All right. We'll link all of that in the show notes so they don't have to remember any of that. But I hope they all run over. Go run over and find (laughs) all of her stuff. She's awesome. I love having Angela as a friend and a light in my life. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. You're a light too. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate (laughs) it. All right, my friends. Isn't Angela amazing? Hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I think we all know someone who struggles with anxiety. So it's good to have a bigger picture, to realize the atonement helps us with this challenge and all other challenges that the atonement, Christ's atonement applies to all of us in all of our trials, in all of our situations across the board. The atonement is for us. And I'm grateful to know that. I'm grateful that Angela pointed that out for me today. And I'm glad that you are here, my friends, on this one year anniversary of this podcast. Thank you for being here. If anything you have learned over the past year or however long you have been a listener has affected you in any way for better, for good, would you mind leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? That really helps other people to find this podcast and helps me to get the word out and help helps me find more people that I can help. So again, thanks for being here. I will see you back here again next week. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's and an A-R-D or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.